Merry Christmas, everyone. Welcome to Journey with Care, where we're unwrapping the true spirit of the season. Join us as we dive into some Christmas traditions we've embraced as Christians. So get out your candy canes, stockings, Christmas trees, carols. Ho, ho, hold on here. Let's back it up. Because beneath the tinsel and carols, there's a deeper story to be told. This Advent, we'll be daring to reassess our hallmark Christianity for a more honest yet hopeful look at Middle Eastern Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. So get ready for an Advent journey that goes beyond the holiday glitz as we question, explore, and unravel truth. Because walking in light of that truth will ultimately make this season more meaningful to us. This is our Advent series, The Out of Sync Christmas. This first week of Advent is all about hope. If you're craving hope and want more than shallow, wishful thinking, you've come to the right episode. Today, I've got a special holiday treat to share with you. I have my husband, Harold Park, co-founder of Care Impact and Jesus-loving psychotherapist. He's in the studio with me for a behind-the-scenes perspective of hope. You could say he's a doctor of hope in some of people's most despairing moments. But before we dive into the conversation, let me tell you about this week's sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by DG Inspired, your go-to creative powerhouse for elevating your ideas into stunning reality. Whether you're dreaming up a brand refresh, an outstanding website, or eye-catching graphics, DG Inspired has got your back. Dorlin and her team have been creative geniuses behind Care Impact and can do the same for you. Head over to dginspired.com to bring your ideas to life. All right, let's get into the conversation. Harold Park, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here. This is our first time together on this podcast, so it's good to have you here at the table. And I'm just itching to let other people hear a bit about your story. And today we're going to be talking about hope, the Advent Week of Hope. So Harold, we know that you're a co-founder with me of Care Impact and that we've been raising our family here in Winnipeg. But let's go back a little ways of where you were born, uh, a little bit of your upbringing. Let's start with that. Sure. So I was born in Seoul, South Korea, and our family, we moved to Vancouver when I was five. And how was that for you, uh, coming as a five-year-old immigrant to Canada? Looking back, it was challenging because English wasn't my first language. It took a while to get used to learning the language and then being able to fit into the culture. Yeah, and I guess that gives you a different feeling for other people coming to Canada that are new here. Yeah, I do have memories of the challenges when I first got to Canada. What kind of challenges? Well, I would say just trying to fit in, trying to be like other people when I, I look different than others. And so having some level of acceptance, that was that was challenging for me. It took a long time, actually, for me to really feel like I fit in. Then you went on to university and you chose food science, which I am grateful for. Our kids are grateful for because you're a great cook. <laughs> That's part of our uh, our relationship story. You got me with, with pad thai on the first try. But uh, tell us a little bit about what brought you to food science and, and where did that lead you in your career? Yeah, when I was in university, I had a few options. Uh, but I really like food science because food science, it incorporated a lot of things. So there's the science part of it, but there's also the creative side when you're involved with 
creating new products, new food products. And so um, I really wanted to get involved with product development and research as well. So uh, I thought that there were a lot of elements that really made it interesting. And so then uh, what jobs did you have? Well, right after university, I started at a winery. So taken after Jesus, huh? Turning water into wine. That's right. Yeah. And drinking it as well. <laughs> you were drinking on the job and that was your, your job. That That's a very interesting job. But then you made a, a career switch into the stock markets and that's part of your story of hope as well. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey towards hope through being an investor? Sure. So I was working in the winery for about five years. And around that point, I really felt like I was getting a little bit stale with the job. And so I kind of dabbled in investing in the stock market. And uh, through that experience, I eventually left the winery position and I became a full-time stock investor. So worked at the winery for seven years. And then for a good year and a half, I was just full-time into the stocks. As I was investing in the stock market, uh, things were going well for a while, but uh, after a while, the stock market was going down and it was really depressing and really, I felt like there was no point to life. And it really was a difficult time in my life, which looking back, it helped me quite a bit to go through the hardship and to go through the pain uh, because I realized that the path that I had chosen really was a dead end. Right, because you had been living the life. You were basically, you could quit your day job, you could go golfing, go to the beach, go on trips to Hawaii, buy a new car. You were living the life. Was this your early 30s? So this would have been my late 20s. Late 20s. And you were living like a, a retired man living the life. And yet you felt this sense of emptiness. That's right. And when the, the market went down and you were starting to feel depressed, all this time, you hadn't been walking with the Lord, had you? No, at that time, I was, I guess you could call it like a Sunday Christian. I was going to church, mainly because my mom wanted me to go. And so I would go. And baseball season. Oh, yeah, baseball season. I would go to <laughs> to play on the, the church softball team. Uh, but then once the season was over, then I, I really didn't attend church much. And so, yeah, I was really a, a Sunday Christian at that point. And so what brought you to the Lord then? Well, I would say the journey of investing in the stock market and being able to experience the things that I thought would fulfill, but I, I realized that it, it really didn't. It really left a big question mark in my life as to what direction I should go because I pursued what I thought would give me joy and, and pleasure and satisfaction. But after barely a, uh, a year, I realized it didn't really do much for me. And so I had to figure things out. And it was really a time of wrestling with what I wanted to do, with what I felt maybe God was wanting me to do. So it was a really uh, challenging point in my life. And so what happened there was, um, you know, I was attending church and my pastor, he wanted to mentor me. He told me that he, he wanted to, to see me on a regular basis to help me in my faith and help me in my career path. And so thankfully, I was able to do that for months and months. And he provided me with some perspective on things, and that really helped shape my life to realize that you know money and the pursuit of happiness, that really wasn't the thing that would satisfy me. I realized that there was much more to it than that. 
And then you started volunteering that you had never done before in the east side, downtown Vancouver with UGM, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was working with street youth, uh, people that were homeless, and it really opened my eyes to the pain that's out there, the challenges that people face in life. It uh, opened my eyes to addictions, mental health issues, poverty. And through that experience, I realized that I really felt this strong calling to help people in those situations. And, you know, I really wanted to, but I didn't know how. How how would I get involved in such endeavors like that? And how would you provide hope to some of these very hopeless situations, right? That's right. Yeah, I just didn't feel equipped. I, I had a desire, but I didn't feel equipped. So it's interesting, even though you had it all prior when you were helping people in some of the most hopeless situations, that's where you found your calling and purpose and and you found hope for your own future. That led you all the way to Manitoba. You came to Providence Seminary, which is where we met. And uh, was that a hard decision for you to come into Winterpeg? Well, you know, I knew that Winnipeg was cold, but <laughs> I didn't know it would be that cold. And so on one hand, I felt like I was called to come out here, but on the other hand, I was scared. I didn't know what my future would hold. I didn't have the financial means to finish my program at the time I left Vancouver. So I was basically going on faith and and hope that God would provide a way. Yeah. And that has opened a lot of doors for you because of that act of faith, of stepping out standing on the hope that you had been given from God to help others and to be equipped by that. Tell us uh, your first uh, experience working as a chaplain in the the prisons here in Manitoba. Yeah, so after my first year in my Master's of Counseling program, I was able to work in a prison. So I was working with male offenders. And, you know, in that environment, I really learned a lot about the despair in people's lives, the hopelessness, and it really gave me a a really close look at how people view the world. And uh, it it really was eye-opening for me uh, because I really wasn't familiar with that type of life. I imagine that when you're sitting with people in maximum security that are in really, really desolate times, that hope might feel hard to come by. What gave you hope in those situations beyond just a wishful thinking, I wish you well, but was there hope in those really the most difficult situations? Yeah, there's just one situation where I met with a a young man in his late teens and uh, he had just come in. He was charged with taking the lives of his family members. And so, of course, you can imagine he was very distraught. And so I was sitting with him, and I was trying to comprehend the situation. What could I say to him that would help him in that moment? And really, at that point, it was one of those feelings where I felt like there really wasn't much that I could offer him myself. And it was just one of those things where you feel helpless, really in those situations. Uh, But as I reflected on his situation, it it really brought to mind that there is nobody that is beyond the reach of God, regardless of what someone has done, uh, the situations that they've been through. I still felt that there was hope through God in this really desperate situation. 
Have you been in, in circumstances, let's say in the prisons, I know you, you do more counseling outside of the prisons. We'll get to that. But let's say in the prisons, have you seen examples where people in hopeless situations actually found, experienced the hope of God? Definitely. I was doing chapels in two different institutions on a weekly basis. And through those opportunities, I was able to connect with inmates and to to realize that within inmates, there is a, a drive, there is a motivation to find hope in life, even through the darkest of times. And I realized that, you know, it's not just about wanting to do something, but it's also about having a way to apply your motivation, to find, like I, I always call it, way power, a way to do it, as well as willpower. So they have the willpower, and then there is way power. And if you have those two elements, that really contributes to providing hope. And what a powerful ingredient to bring into very desperate situations that whether we're called to be prison chaplains or be in the midst of a crisis or, or walk through somebody's trauma with them or whatever the situation may be, that we actually can access hope that is outside of this world, that overextends whatever circumstances. They are not beyond the reach of God. The situation is not beyond the eyesight of God, that there is hope that comes from outside of this world that can transcend that it's it's those kingdom come moments that happen and i remember volunteering at some of those uh, chapel services with you and experiencing that hope yeah their sentences weren't changing their circumstances the past they couldn't change and the situation looked bleak in people's lives but yet i saw hope as they reached out to God. And that is a powerful, powerful thing. You're also an adoptive dad, and you are fathering children that have come from all kinds of different backgrounds, and we're not going to go into that here. But I want to ask about your experience as an adoptive dad. Where is that source of hope as a father in that adoption experience? Yeah, when I reflect upon my journey as an adoptive father, I realize that I would have been gone a long time ago had it not been through God's leading and direction in my life to be able to navigate these situations that are really beyond me. Uh, the traumas that our kids have gone through, uh, the abandonment issues, uh, things like that are very challenging for just a regular human to, to deal with uh, as a parent. But it's really through my understanding of God's promises for each of us, his ability to provide the hope for our healing, restoration of relationships, uh, these type of things really, I've had to rest upon that hope in God for, for these things. And that sort of ties in with some of your doctoral dissertation research on looking at resiliency for Christian adoptive parents of looking beyond yourself, right? Give us a glimpse, a little bit of what that research showed you. Well, really what this research showed for Christian adoptive parents, there was a need to go beyond yourself, not just relying upon your own ability to handle stress or to deal with challenging situations, but to be able to realize that there are opportunities to, to deal with situations through turning to God or turning to 
people in your community that are like-minded, turning to resources that are out there. So these type of things are what I mentioned earlier. It's the way power. Like how do we go about combining our motivation, our way power with willpower? So the willpower, it's something that we have from within, but we also need the way power, the, the methods, the tools to be able to implement to then have the hope that we are really longing for. And so that's really, in essence, what you do today in your psychotherapy practice. You are meeting people in some of their most despairing times. In fact, they often don't pick up the the phone or they don't send an email. They don't book an appointment until they're really at their wits end. So what gives you hope to keep showing up for these people that have despair after despair after despair what is some of the way power? Like, how do you practically help them through so it's not just wishing you well or now I've heard you and I hope that soothes you for the moment, but actually help you? You see healing, but what gives you that hope? Oftentimes when I meet with people for the first time, they're kind of like at the end of their rope. They're reaching a point of hopelessness for change. And so with the people that I meet, couples, individuals, they're grasping for hope. This is what they're longing for. And through that, if people can have that sense of hope, that, that little spark within them, I believe that can be just a catalyst towards growth, for healing. But sometimes people come in with a lot of challenges and hope is really hard to, to really hold on to. But in terms of how do I go about working with individuals and couples, I think one of the first things that I do is to be able to look at their situation with a sober mind, to be able to look at it in a well-rounded way so that they see the strengths that they have, they see the abilities that they have, they see the resources that they have to be able to work on their situation. Because oftentimes people come into counseling and they focus on their weaknesses, their challenges, but they sometimes forget that, you know, they've endured challenges in the past, and they've overcome those challenges. And so I need to be able to help remind people that, yes, each person is uniquely created with their gifts and abilities, and they do have the potential to use that in a way that can really help them through their situation. Yeah, so that you really point out they have agency. There, There is possibility, not just hypothetical and painting rainbows and unicorns in the sky for them, right? That's wishing well. But you're actually able to discover that with them. What are the strengths? What are some opportunities that they can make choices in? You have a lot of strategies. I think you, from what I understand, you bring a lot of different strategies and methodologies together so that there's a practical way forward to finding hope. Hope isn't just some theoretical, theological concept. It's right there in the room. It's right there in that interaction. And you see them week to week. So tell me what that's like to walk through that journey towards hope with people. Yeah, so I do provide what I said before, the, the way power. Like how do you go about producing change through either techniques or tools or interventions, those type of things, I can provide that. Of course, they would need to provide the willpower and there is another element, which is the weight power. So the weight power means that change doesn't happen instantaneously. Sometimes it takes weeks, months, years to be able to see change. And 
we need to be able to have that weight power, to be patient, to know that change takes time. And so with these three elements, hopefully we can be able to see the changes happening within their lives for me to be able to provide support, encouragement in this journey with them. Those are some key things to be able to believe that they are able to do what they set their mind out to do. So to be supportive, to be encouraging, I think that's really a key element. I like that because you are bringing your whole self. You are a person of faith who is grounded in the word of God. You have hope in God as you're leading people with faith or without faith in these situations. But you're not just making it some kind of abstract, I wish you well. I think one of the dangers is that we can spiritually bypass on people's most despairing moments, like throw them a verse, say, I'm praying for you. Prayer is good. But we we throw these flippant things and like God is more powerful and all these different verses. His strength is greatest in your weakness. And it doesn't feel very hopeful in those situations if we just spiritualize it without giving them concrete tools, concrete ways forward, and really being present in that despair. Yeah. Spiritual bypass is a thing that I see often in the Christian community. And, you know, it's a way to really prevent oneself from going deep, to go deep into their feelings, to go deep into their thoughts, because oftentimes those are scary places. People don't want to be reminded of the trauma or the hardships that they've had. And so they go quickly to God looking for a quick fix. But ultimately for deep healing, we do need to go to those places where it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of energy to be able to process and to make sense of things. And through that journey, I believe that's going to provide a richer, deeper level of healing if we can get to those dark, deep places. And I notice as you walk with people, you have learned a level of peace and patience to sit with people in their distress without needing to be their fixer, without needing to have all the answers. And I've learned from that, that we don't have to have the right answer or come up with a solution right away. Obviously, if we can help, we want to do that. But you've been sitting with people in their distress. Is that intentional? For sure. You know, I think one of the key things about helping people is not to impose our agenda on the people that we're trying to help, not to feel like they have to change a certain way or they have to change according to our timing, but to realize that there is a plan for their life. There is a timing for their life to change and to heal. And I don't know exactly what that looks like, but I really want to be journeying with them in terms of what does healing look like for that individual. Perhaps God has a plan for them that really I don't know, but I want to be in alignment with what is it that God would want for this person in their healing journey. So I really have to be mindful of setting aside my agenda. Like, of course, I have a strategy how to help them, but I have to really walk closely with that person to navigate through the the challenges that they're dealing with, to not rush them, to not not challenge them at times. It, it's necessary at times to challenge people. It's necessary at times to go slowly through those hard discussions. So it really is a matter of being attuned to your client. 
And that is a picture of what God does with us. God is a hopeful filled God, and yet he is patient and he is kind. He is present. He is Emmanuel, God with us, walking with us in our pain and going at the pace of relationship. And it's neat to see that emulated in your counseling practice. Now, I want to have a a deeper look at hope. This is our, our week's focus. We're looking at hope or is it wishful thinking? Now, if we look in the biblical context, hope is a confident expectation, not based on the outcomes that we can configure, but based on faith in God's promises. It's that outside this world hope. It goes beyond a wishful desire. It's anchored in trust and belief in God's faithfulness. In Psalm 30, 20 to 22, it says, we put our hope in the Lord. He is our protector and our help. We're glad because of him. We trust in his holy name. May your constant love be with us, Lord, as we put our hope in you. So what I'm hearing here is that this hope is resilient in even the most challenging circumstances. You know, um, when the two of us, when we were planning to adopt, uh, you know, we took a big step forward of faith. This is right in the beginning when we didn't know anything about it, right? <laughs> yeah, we did our research. We, we prayed through it. And so we started the process and it was quite the journey. You know, we went through our ups and downs. We went through our ups and downs with the provincial government, looking at adoption internationally, locally. It was an emotional roller coaster. And during those four years when we were really in limbo, I wondered about, is this the plan that God would want for us to adopt? And at times I I had my doubts, I had disappointments, there was sadness. But during that time, I felt a strong calling that God wanted us to persevere through this, to have hope. I remember that because we distinctly felt called to older child adoption. And while we were new at this, we just really felt all, our whole family felt called to adopt older children that were in need of families. And then the government said, you can't do that. (laughs) You can't um, uh, adopt at a birth order. It felt very hopeless, but I'm like, but God, I thought you had this for us. And it felt kind of hopeless, didn't it? But God. And fast forward through those four years, we have had not one, but four older children join our family. In addition to our two biological children, And God's promises rang true. Yeah, I think just looking back at this journey, I could never have imagined that we'd be where we are today, but for God's faithfulness, we've gotten to this point. And so when I look back, I really did feel hopeless, but I know that through the rough times, that really helped build my relationship with God, my ability to trust in Him, to put hope in Him. And that's carrying me throughout these days when there's some challenges going on with our family. I'm reminded of that hope that I had way back. And I know that that hope will continue to carry me through the challenges of today and tomorrow. And that hope doesn't mean that everything goes well or that everything goes as perfectly as people would wish. But we're anchored in this connectedness to God's promises that he will never leave us or forsake us, that he is with us through those things. He's with us in those despairing moments. He's in the, in the helm of the boat, 
sleeping possibly, but he could just speak over the waves and they will come. But he is with us even in those stormy times. And that has really anchored us in those those turbulent times and the times that we still face as a family. But we we navigate through that knowing that Jesus is our hope. There's also this counterfeit hope that is an easy trap to fall into. It looks optimistic and we can heartily believe that the outcome is possible, but it's not really anchored in God. It's actually more like wishful thinking though. And I wonder sometimes if some of our Christmas Christian endeavors that we keep ourselves busy with at Christmas is more about spreading good vibes only, that Christmas cheer, this wishful thinking, I want things to be rosy and well, wishing good things on people, but not necessarily anchored in our belief in God. In James 2, it says, suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? And we can wish peace and harmony in this world. We can wish that there would be no homelessness. We could wish that families would would get back together. We can wish that there would be peace and harmony in our circumstances. We can wish that people would have prosperity in their lives where there is poverty. Yeah, there is a difference between someone having optimism and someone having hope. Because optimism is focusing on just wishful thinking just having a, an optimistic outlook on things. And I think it's good to be optimistic, but it's not hope, right? Yeah. Yeah. So what would it look like in your counseling sessions, Harold? Let's say a couple's on a brink of divorce or a youth is contemplating suicide or you have somebody going through a real mental health challenge and all of these are things that you deal with on a daily basis. How are you offering hope? in these spaces? I think first and foremost, it's important to be able to allow the person to to know that I'm there with them, to, to know that they're being supported and encouraged, that they're not alone, and that I see worth, I see value in the individual. Because oftentimes, people without hope do not have a healthy level of self-esteem. So I think the first thing is to really help them to know that they have value as a person. And through that, it's going to be important to help point out those anchors. What are the strengths that they have? What are the resources that they have? So that they can work through some of these challenges to know that there are ways to find healing, ways to be able to to grow as a person, to be able to heal relationships. And I think the more that a person is present in those situations with others who are feeling a sense of hopelessness, it might be easier to not want to go to the depth of their pain. And yet going to those places, if you are equipped for it, can be healing, right? It's like any doctor wouldn't just suture up a wound without cleaning that or going to those places of removing, extracting some of those things that are causing that pain. Can you talk a little bit what it's like to walk through the pain with people so that they can get to new levels of hope? Yeah, that's a very delicate process of journeying with people through their past. And so 
I think uh, a key thing is just to be able to discern the level of tolerance, the ability to deal with um, challenging topics, and to be able to find the appropriate levels of communication uh, to be able to to deal with those things because we don't want to go beyond what people are able to handle in that moment. So it's important to work with the client to be able to know what they could handle emotionally and to be able to challenge people in various areas, but still work within their window of tolerance. So what advice would you give us as everyday community members? We're not all going to be psychotherapists and we shouldn't. Uh, there's there's reason why we have people in, in this profession, but how can we become better at living with authentic hope rather than the pseudo-optimism and pushing things under the rug? Yeah, I think one of the things that I try to encourage people to do is really to look outside yourself. Because sometimes when we're dealing with challenges, we think that we need to come up with all the solutions. But in reality, there are things out there. There are people out there. There's faith. There's a lot of elements that can help people find the hope to move forward with their life. So, Harold, I'd love for you to think of all the many clients that you work with day in and day out, everyday community members, whether they know their story or not. Maybe they're in the grocery aisle. Maybe they're in our church. Maybe they're in our small group. They're not hearing the depth of what you're going through with them. How would you love to see the community respond? You know, what I would really like to see is the community to be able to be aware of what's going on around them. Because oftentimes we're really focused on our own life. We, we want to move forward with situations about us. But, you know, there are people out there that are hurting, that are struggling. And I think it, it does take effort to be able to, to notice these things, to, to see when someone is feeling down, to be able to take time to spend with someone over coffee. And so I think just being able to just open up our eyes to our surroundings, people within our circles, and really take time to to be aware of what is happening with others. I think that that would be a real blessing. So I'm not trained in, in psychotherapy. Are there ways that I can spread hope in my community? I believe that we are all a part of providing hope for others, that uh, we are all in this journey together. And so I think that one of the key things is to really use what gifts, abilities that you have as an individual, and to be able to impart those things to others to help them feel encouraged or supported or loved. And we all are wired differently. We all have different strengths. And so just to be able to find within yourself, what is it that can contribute to providing that, that little spark of hope for those around you? Now, let's say I am feeling hopeless in life circumstances, and I really am grasping at straws, really wanting to see uh, God's promises come through, but I am losing hope. What advice would you give me in those moments? As Christians, we really need to turn to, to God's words and His promises. As we look through the Old and New Testament, we realize that there are so many promises that God has for us and for His people, and to be able to know that those promises hold true for us as well. And so, as we are in those times of despair, 
in the times of hopelessness, I think that we really need to turn to the foundation of, of our faith and, and of our hope. Well, thank you, Dr. Harold Park, for spending this time in this episode to explore hope. And we just really appreciate your wisdom and the experiences that you bring. And we look forward to future episodes where we're exploring the Advent season. Thank you, Wendy. It's been really great to be here and to be able to share some of my thoughts about hope. Thank you for joining another conversation on Journey with Care. We're here to inspire curious Canadians on their path of faith and living life with purpose in community. Journey with Care is an initiative of Care Impact, a Canadian charity dedicated to connecting and equipping the whole church to journey well in community. Visit our website at journeywithcare.ca to connect with Care Impact, find the latest updates on our weekly episodes, details about our upcoming events, meetups, and information about our incredible guests. You can also leave us a voice message, share your thoughts, and connect with like-minded individuals who are on their own journeys of faith and purpose. Thank you for sharing this podcast with your friends. Together we can explore ways to journey in a good way. And always remember to stay curious.